Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for September 19th, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news, and we'll also get Chris's reaction to the house with a clock in its walls, and Ben saw some footage from The Girl in the Spider's Web. We'll have that in the feature presentation. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer Chris Evangelista. Hello. How's it going, guys? I've been uh, deep in my notes. I I, I wrote down like 4,000 notes from a event uh, months ago, and the embargo comes up tomorrow. Uh, You'll be able to read the results of it on the site. But uh, uh, turning 4,000 scribbled notes into uh, a couple of pieces, uh, you know, months after uh, I took the notes, uh, (laughs) it's always a lot of fun. Uh, But uh, yeah. (laughs) So you, you, you'll we'll talk about that tomorrow on the podcast, I'm, I'm sure. But let's get, let's get to the news. Let's start with the news. Uh, let's start with the big news that hit after we recorded the podcast yesterday, hit last night. And that is that the Disney streaming service will feature a couple Marvel TV shows, uh, a Loki show and a Scarlet Witch TV series. Chris, what do we know? Uh, yeah, so Disney streaming service, which is currently called Disney Play, as far as we know, uh, they're they're going all in in their their goal to defeat Netflix. And uh, the plan now is to develop several different uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe TV shows that will focus on um, what they're calling second tier characters. Basically, characters who haven't had their own standalone movies are going to get their own TV shows and they're starting off with a, a both a Scarlet Witch show and a uh, Loki show. And not only that, but both um, Elizabeth Olsen and Tom Hiddleston are both expected to, you know, reprise their roles for these TV shows, which is, you know, there was a time when this would be like unheard of, but I guess, you know, the times are changing and Disney has enough money to make this happen. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, we've been theorizing about a Marvel TV show on this Disney streaming service since it was announced, but not in my wildest imaginations would we actually get a show with one of the, you know, 
the main characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, you know, I thought at most it would be like, you know, a side side character, kind of like uh, Coulson in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, or a world like Wakanda. But uh, I'm just wondering, like, I know Loki is beloved, but how many people are really itching for a Scarlet Witch movie? Maybe it will um, it will cover the time period where <laughs> we we discover why and how her accent goes in and out so much. <laughs> um, I, I think that's doubtful. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, maybe it could be more of a romance kind of thing, you know, dealing with her and Vision. I mean, we don't know how things are going to pan out with Avengers 4. I, I should probably say uh, what I'm about to say. Spoilers for... The first few minutes of Avengers Infinity War. I don't, although I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast if you still haven't seen that film. Uh, how are they going to have Loki in this movie? Because I know, e- even even though we all imagine that Avengers Four is going to restore order to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that everybody that uh, kind of disintegrated would be restored. Uh, Loki was actually killed, and. Um, I believe the Russo brothers said that anybody that actually died in Avengers Infinity War are actually dead, um, which I think doesn't include, like, you know, the people that have uh, been dusted. Um, what do you guys think? Do you like, could this be like an early, you know, a prequel or is this going to be the continuing I, adventures? I think the Russo brothers are full of shit. So <laughs> um, I, I don't buy for a second that everyone who died is really dead. So I really don't think that's going to be an issue. But if they are serious, yeah, it could always be a prequel or yeah. Uh, no, they're, they're lying. No one is really dead. <laughs> I mean, I've said this before, I think, on this podcast. I'd love to see a movie or show about young Loki and, like, that kind of being brought up on Asgard as kind of like this uh, second son kind of thing. I think that could be interesting. Obviously, this is not what that is, I don't think, um, unless they do it, you know, kind of young Indiana Jones chronicle style where they somehow, you know, have segments with Tom Hiddleston and cut to, you know, younger version of himself telling stories from before uh, Ben what do you think? Um, Chris, you wrote this up. Was there any mention that this show or these shows, I should say, are going to be live action or could these be animated and those actors just returning for a voice role? I mean, there's no indication. It doesn't specifically say these will definitely be live action. So, you know, maybe they're animated, but from the sound of things, it sounds like they're they're live action. I mean, the the story indicates that they're going to have like huge budgets, like feature film version budgets. And I I feel like if they're doing that, it's just going to be live action. They wouldn't be spending that on animation. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a, I'm, I'm sort of baffled right there with you, Peter. I I assume this was going to be something with much, much smaller characters. So uh, I I guess I'm interested in a a Loki show. Although I, I just don't know. Like, I feel like Tom Hiddleston has said, that he was done with that character. Disney must have just like backed up the truck and, you know, <laughs> unleashed a, a, a torrent of money on him for him to uh, agree to do this. But because um, he, he's sort of played, you know, we've seen Loki's uh, shtick, for lack of a better term, you know, so many times before. And unless he comes up with like, let's assume it's a prequel, unless he comes up with some totally new take on the character, it's just, I feel like it's just going to feel like, um, 
like get him to the Greek. You know how that the uh, Russell Brand's character in that movie was first introduced in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and he worked so well because he was like a smaller character. But once you give him yeah. his own story, it just sort of loses some of that magic. I, I wonder it's if something kind of like, similar might happen. Yeah, it's kind of like the on Stranger Tides. Uh, you know, Johnny Depp. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, We'll be following this. I'm sure there's going to be even more Marvel Marvel shows in development with uh, the streaming service, and I'm sure as we near uh, the launch of that, we will be hearing a lot more shows, not just Marvel, but Star Wars and beyond. Uh, but as Chris mentioned, the, he believes the Russo brothers are full of shit, and uh, that, I think that's a good segue to, to talk about our next story, which is this photo that the Russo brothers uh, have tweeted out. Uh, ben, tell us about it. Yeah, so it's it's Joe Russo, one of the co-directors, sitting in what appears to be a soundstage, and there's just a bunch of like mundane-looking uh, filming equipment around him. Um, there, and the the caption just says "Look hard" with an ellipsis after it. So it's like, what are they trying to do here? And people have zoomed in and and tried to see if there's any sort of hidden details in this thing. Um, The prevailing theories right now are that what they're actually doing is teasing the title of Avengers four, which we've been speculating about for a long, long time. And the Russos have previously said that uh, the title for that movie would be revealed after people had time to digest the events of infinity war, because the title apparently spoils uh, infinity war. And Kevin Feige actually previously said in an interview that the title for Avengers 4 would be revealed after the teaser trailer for Captain Marvel came out. And that just was unveiled yesterday. So the Russo brothers are really like wasting zero time uh, <laughs> jumping on this this thing and, um, yeah, trying to, to get fans riled up. And, of course, it worked. Everybody's, you know, frantically speculating uh, and By trying way, to figure I, out what's going on. I, I want to say I love this about the Internet. I love when the Internet becomes Internet detective and they're like zooming into things and like enhancing and like drawing circles around you know like i I just love all that kind of speculation even if it probably doesn't mean anything so yeah i like it a lot when it's on you know when it's stuff like this that has no consequence (laughs) and no bearing on anything important in life i like it less when uh you know it's they try to like solve real crimes and stuff where you know innocent people get caught up in the crossfire but yes when when the uh the geek lens of the internet turns and and everyone joins for is to try to figure out a stupid mystery like this it, it can be a lot of fun so uh what are the prevailing theories of uh, I, I know you mentioned that uh, the title of avengers 4 did, did, did we see anything there yeah so there's a, a ladder in the background and it's faced in a way where it's open and there's the the sort of crossbar where it forms an a sort of a, in a primary spot in the image and there are actually a few other hidden a's throughout the uh the image i just saw that somebody um noticed that there are a couple little Little X's in the background as well, so people are uh, apparently assuming that this means that the <laughs> X Men might be involved, which is pretty ludicrous because this movie was uh, was made uh, or at least written well before the uh, Disney Fox deal, which hasn't even uh, technically gone through yet because they're still waiting on government regulations. So I don't think we're going to be seeing the X Men. I'm pretty sure we can say that with confidence. Um, but somebody did uh, figure this out, and you'll have to look at the image because it's almost impossible for me to explain it properly. 
uh, in audio form, but we've linked to it in the article and, and you can check that out in the show notes. But somebody um, drew out the word end game throughout this image in, in sort of tracing letters across different shapes where um, you could, if you look at this image in a certain way, understand that the word end game is written across it in you know using the the background stuff and like the way that um the framing of a, a giant gate might form the letter n that kind of thing so that suggestion it seems to be uh one of the big fan favorites that this title might be avengers end game and of course and it, it's prob- so so ludicrous like the, the like this theory is so ludicrous but i think as chris said in our slack channel once you look at this image and then you look at the image without the like the letters pointed out, I, you can't unsee it. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I would again, if you're even remotely interested in this, please go look at this image because it, it's it's pretty fascinating. Uh, the G in particular seems like it might be a little bit of a stretch. But um, the, the problem with this theory is that the Russos have specifically said that the title of Avengers 4 is not spoken dialogue in Infinity War. And Doctor, uh, Doctor Strange uses the phrase endgame in that movie. So, but as you pointed out in our in our Slack channel, Peter, technically, if you want to get really technical about it, the phrase Avengers Endgame is not actually spoken <laughs> aloud in Infinity War. So maybe they can use that as a way to say, hey, we were telling the truth if this ends up panning out. That or, as Chris theorizes, the Russo brothers are full of shit. So <laughs> uh, let's move on to Alamo Drafthouse. We've been talking about uh, their initiative to bring uh, VH. HS rental places, their new Alamo draft houses. And now they have announced that they are actually going to launch a VHS festival uh, celebrating the glory days of VHS. Uh, Chris, tell us about it. Uh, yes, it's called VH Estival, I guess is how you would pronounce it. And it's going to take place in October, uh, over two days, October 20th and October 21st in um, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina. And this is part of Alamo Drafts House's new um, video store called Video Vortex, which they're opening in Raleigh. Uh, uh, we, we, we reported on this before, you know, they're going to have uh, thousands and thousands of VHS titles, many of which have, you know, never been transferred over to digital or DVD or Blu-ray. And you can rent them for free. I don't really know how, I still don't really know how that really works out and how they're going to get, you know, deal with people <laughs> taking stuff for free, but that that's the plan. And as part of that, they're, they're doing this big festival where they're going to, they're going to screen uh, ultra rare films shot on video. Uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of, uh, there's a whole list of events you can see at slashfilm.com. So, you know, if you're in the rally area and you, you want to attend this, Go for it. It's in October, uh, October 20th and 21st. And if I were in this area, I'd probably go because I do have a sort of weird nostalgia for VHS, even though, uh, you know, when you compare it to DVD and Blu-ray, it's it's, it's uh, like night and day. I mean, VHS looks terrible, but... It's even worse than I think most people remember it to be. Like, I feel like we remember it to be almost like a bad version of DVD, where it's much, much worse than that. Um, I don't... I'm not sure I see the point of a VHS festival. Uh, Ben, is this something you would attend? 
Um, I, like I've said before, I sort of am a fan of like having options as a <laughs> as a consumer. So I think this is kind of a cool thing because you know, as we talked about in, in previous episodes, the idea that a, a ton of titles like this have not been converted to any other way, and the only way you can watch them is through VHSs. I mean, that that's still like I, I appreciate the thought behind this. Uh, I'm not sure if I would you know, make the, go the extra mile to actually rent a VC, you know, a VCR and, and the tapes to actually watch any of this stuff. But I love that the ability is out there and they're trying to do what they can to make it easy for people to do that. If something ever came up, like I remember, uh, somebody posted a trailer for this really awful movie called hard ticket to Hawaii um, a few <laughs> years ago. And I had never heard of this and I watched the trailer and I was like, this looks terrible in the best way. I have to see this. And the only way I could watch it was through um, like a, a Netflix DVD rental. And obviously I, I still have that uh, and subscribe to that plan. But um, it, it's one of those things where I feel like if somehow somebody unearths some amazing looking movie that's not available any other way, but it's there on VHS, I, I would love the ability to go into a store and, and check it out. So, um, yeah, I, I guess this yeah, is a, a net good overall. <laughs> Yeah, but we're not just talking about a store. We're talking about a festival. But I, I guess, I guess what you're trying to say, Ben, is the future of cinema is watching VHS on a big, huge IMAX screen, right? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I just said. <laughs> and uh, that future of cinema also involves uh, sequels to 1990s films like Space Jam. Uh, we've just learned that Space Jam, Space Jam Two, is actually happening, and it's going to be produced by Black Panther director ryan coogler ben what do we know yeah hollywood reporter just broke this news that ryan coogler is going to come on board to produce space jam 2 which is uh going to be the first starring role for basketball player lebron james who has acted in a couple movies here and there um he was he was really good in train wreck the amy schumer film uh, a couple years ago in a, in a really funny supporting role as himself but uh, he is is really trying to make a splash in the entertainment world. I think he's been producing some stuff, um, some like reality TV shows here and there. But he has been trying to get a Space Jam sequel off the ground for years. And I think Justin Lin, the director of a lot of the Fast and Furious movies and uh, Star Trek Beyond, was attached a, a while back to direct this. But now Terrence Nance is going to be directing and LeBron James is starring and Ryan Coogler is going to be on board as a producer. So uh, and of course, Bugs Bunny is also co-starring because <laughs> uh, for those who don't know, Space Jam, the first one starred Michael Jordan. And it basically was like him teaming up with the Looney Tunes to play basketball against an alien, an invading alien race who wanted to enslave Michael Jordan and, and all of humanity. Um, but uh, well, but it yeah, looks like uh, the alien race is coming back to Earth. I think so. Um, I don't know if they were vanquished once and for all or if uh, maybe if like Danny DeVito, I think he voiced the the lead alien, the the coach of the alien squad. I don't know if he's going to come back or if any of the if maybe Jordan himself is going to come back. We're still not sure, ex you know, details about the the um, actual plot of this movie. But uh, I assume it's just going to be sort of a, a redux of the, <laughs> the original one. Like, I understand nostalgia. And I understand, like, I just don't understand why people have nostalgia for for bad things like VHS and Space Jam. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it. I am like right on the cusp of 
being the age where I saw this movie and enjoyed it a lot then. But I think and there are a ton of people in my generation who this movie, they think that the first Space Jam is legitimately great. And it's just it's conflating, you know, viewing something as a, you know, through a a nostalgic childhood lens with actually uh, approaching it critically because I went back and watched it a few years ago. And it's like almost unwatchable. It's so (laughs) terrible. Uh, But I loved it when I was nine or whatever. So and I feel like people can't necessarily separate those two things. So maybe that's that's part of it. But um, yeah, (laughs) I don't know. I, I guess there's a lot of opportunity here. There's potential to to turn this into a movie that's actually good, but um, I, it's going to be tough. I'll say that. Yeah. But Ben, you're you're also someone that has a love for the movie Hook. I am, yeah, oh, for sure, yeah, and, <laughs> which I think falls into one, this category. I think. Well, uh, I mean, uh, maybe a little bit, but I, I have rewatched that, and I'll actually still go to bat for elements <laughs> of that movie, um, you know, on their own accord, uh, outside of just my rose-colored uh, nostalgia glasses. <laughs> No, I, I'm the same way. Uh, I, I like Hook and I love Goonies and, and, and nobody is going to tell me that that's a bad movie. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to another uh, reboot. And that is Child's Play is getting rebooted and uh, is landing Aubrey Plaza. Chris, tell us about it. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I was trying my damnedest to not care about this Child's Play remake because I hate the idea that there, it's happening because I love the original Child's Play franchise and the original franchise is still going with its original creators, but MGM basically went behind their back to make their own remake here. And the remake is going to have almost nothing to do with the original. It's going to be about like a a robot doll instead of like a doll possessed by a serial killer. And it's supposed to be like, it's been compared to Stranger Things and it's going to be about like a group of kids fighting the doll. So all this sounds terrible and I was prepared to not care at all and pretty much never see this film. But now, uh, word has it that Aubrey Plaza and Brian Tyree Henry are both going to be in the film and now, gosh darn it, I can't ignore it because those (laughs) they're they're two very good actors and uh, the fact that, you know, they're going to be involved with this film has me curious about it. Um, Aubrey Plaza is apparently playing, you know, the mother character of of one of the kids and Brian Tyree Henry is apparently playing a cop, uh, maybe modeled on Chris Sarandon's character who was a cop in the first film. So, I don't know what to make of this. Again, I think this is a stupid idea and it shouldn't be happening, but these two actors are worth paying attention to. So now I really don't know what to think. Yeah, but I feel like this is a waste of these two actors' talents. In a movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, you know, <laughs> if they're going to do it, I, I guess I'll see it. But, yeah, I'd rather they just go star in a different movie together, not this. Yeah, I, I like the original Child's Play. I, I didn't really love any of the sequels. I I, I... You know, haven't re- revisited them since they came out, uh, but I, I guess Aubrey Plaza is enough to get me interested in this reboot. Ben, uh, are are you interested at all in this series? So yeah, the, I mean, I think the first one was okay, and I guess I'm right there with Chris. If they see something in the script that they think is worthwhile, I mean, Brian Tyree Henry is really great on Atlanta, so I'm yeah, I guess I'm on board here. Yeah, let's move in to our feature presentation. We got a couple of them today. Uh, let's start off with the the house with a clock in its walls. Uh, Chris, you saw this movie. I'm actually very curious because this looks like it could be fun. They held the junket at the Magic Castle, which I did not attend. Uh, but uh, how is this? How is Eli Roth's family friendly fright fest? 
It's okay. Um, I really wanted to like this. I, I thought the trailers looked great. And uh, I feel like if uh, I had seen this movie as a kid, and this is, you know, by and large a film aimed at younger audiences. And if I had seen this as a kid, I would have, you know, loved it. Because it has, you know, it, has, it pushes all my buttons. It has, you know, it's got this creepy vibe. It's got a Halloween vibe to it. Uh, you know, it's just got scary, you know, uh, supernatural stuff going on. And, uh, like I said, it, you know, if I had seen this at a young age, I, I would just, it would be like, Oh, this is my favorite movie ever made. But you know, now that I'm an adult, uh, you know, it doesn't work as well. Um, I could easily see this becoming something like Hocus Pocus where, you know, even though that movie isn't that great, it has this huge following just because it has a really good atmosphere. And, you know, I could see like, people who see this movie now at a young age, like 20 years from now, they'll, they'll be acting like this is a classic, much like people act like Hocus Pocus is today. Um, it, it's got stuff I like. I mean, Jack Black and Kate Blanchett are both very good in it. The, the main kid is not great. And I don't like to criticize child actors too much because, you know, acting is hard and, you know, a lot, some kids just don't have it. You know, there, there are some kids, some child actors who are, you know, they have the gift. They can really turn in a great performance and a lot, however, cannot. And this kid falls in, in the latter category where almost everything he says made me like cringe just the way he delivers it. He delivers it in a very cringy, unnatural way. So that really bothered me, especially because he's the star of the film. So he's in like every scene. So... <sighs> You know, I like I said, I wanted to like this. It has stuff that you're going to enjoy, but overall, it's it's kind of forgettable, unfortunately. Oh, that's sad. Uh, one of the reasons I do want to see this in theaters is in IMAX 3D. They are having Thriller in 3D. Did you get to see that before this film, or no? No, I saw it at a regular 2D screening, so they didn't show the Thriller uh, intro. Oh, boo. Okay. I also saw this movie last night. I just want to echo every single thing that Chris just said there. I feel exactly the same way about this movie. Oh, disappointing. Because uh, I was planning on going to see this just for Thriller in, three, in 3D. And uh, both of you uh, have uh, <laughs> made me not want to see this movie. <laughs> I mean, I think the only redeemable thing about it is the relationship between Jack Black and Kate Blanchett's characters. And I, I just it really made me just want a whole movie of just them and um they're in the movie a decent amount so i mean that's good but we're talking about the predator going off the rails in its last act this movie is a very <laughs> similar thing where it just like it goes to crazy town by the end of it and um it's weird because like eli roth it, you can tell that there are moments where he's really trying to sneak in uh some you know like uh, pushing the boundaries kind of moments into this movie like little flashes that will traumatize kids and stay with them for years afterwards um but it sort of doesn't fit with the rest of the tone of the the pg movie that's all around it so i don't know it's, it's a strange film ah that's disappointing um okay let's move on to our last and final uh story in our future presentation and that is the girl in the spider's web uh, this is the sequel to The Girl and the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, ben, you got to see some footage from this and talk to the uh, the people involved uh, yesterday, actually, right? 
Yes, yeah. So yesterday I went to the Sony lot in Culver City here, and they showed uh, director Fede Alvarez, who directed Don't Breathe a couple of years ago, and uh, actress Claire Foy, who just won an Emmy earlier this week for her work on The Crown. Uh, they were there to do a, a little Q&A, and they actually showed us the first 20 minutes of the movie. I was not expecting them to show that much of it. But really, if you watch all four trailers that have been released for this film, there I think there are two domestic and two international trailers at this point, you kind of will get a, a really good sense of the stuff that we saw, because we basically just saw um, some extended scenes from those trailers. So uh, the footage, I mean, I wrote up a full like sort of recap and reaction that you can read on the site. So I'm not going to go beat by beat through exactly what we saw, but just overall thoughts on it. It has this really icy look that reminds me a lot of the modern James Bond movies. And actually watching this footage and, and seeing the trailers beforehand, it sort of reminded me a lot of Spectre, which is the most recent uh, Daniel Craig Bond movie. And because, the, so uh, Claire Foy plays Lisbeth Salander, who is a, a hacker who's living in Stockholm, Sweden. And she basically gets roped into um, fixing a problem from a Stephen Merchant who plays a, an NSA agent who has created what he calls the sum of all of my sins, which is a, a program that, that basically um, allows people to access nuclear weapons remotely, like from their desktop or laptop computers. And uh, so she has to sort of track down what's going on. And we learn in the trailers that her sister is around and she is actually the one who's orchestrating all of Lisbeth's problems, which is very much like what happened with Christoph Waltz's Blofeld and Daniel Craig's Bond inspector. And um, just the look of the movie reminds me a lot of Bond. There's like some action scenes uh, where it, it looks like straight out of a 007 movie. And even like there's a debriefing scene where uh, she gets debriefed by Stephen Merchant's character and they're both sitting on a bench in a museum which is exactly what happens in some of the most recent Bond movies. So um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of potential here, but uh, I'm sort of like positive to mixed on the footage that we saw. Um, Lakeith Stanfield plays an NSA agent, and there's a, a really interesting, like long continuous shot of him in his uh, office in Washington, D.C. Um, that sort of shows a little bit of Fede Alvarez's style in this uh, uh, world. But, um, yeah, I, I sort of like a, a weird positive to mixed vibe on uh, the first few minutes of this film. Hmm. I'm not sure this is going to be enough to get me excited for this one either. Uh, uh, Chris, do you have any interest in, in the girl in the spider's web? This sounds very strange. I mean, I love the Fincher one. I know not everyone loves it, but I thought it was great and I wanted more of his version of it so right you know just the fact that he's not making it and it's a whole new cast really was already turning me off and i just find it really weird they're turning it into like based on the trailers and based on what ben just said they're turning it into like an action movie and that's not at all what the fincher one is i mean the fincher one has like action in it but it's really like a mystery thriller and this just sounds like a straight up spy movie which just sounds very strange to me so i don't know yeah. yeah, yeah, it's weird. They they said in the Q and A that uh, all of the previous movies focused on the journalist, which I think his name is uh, Michael Blomquist in the films. But this is the first movie uh, of the Dragon Tattoo series that is going to a hundred percent tell the story of Lisbeth instead of having her being like a supporting character, sort of floating around the the edges of the story. So, um, 
yeah, it, it seems like a, a slightly different take on it from what we've seen before. But uh, but yeah, there was a lot of action in the first few minutes. And like the opening scene is really great. And that's um, the same opening scene that opens the most recent trailer. Uh, so if you want to see that, you can basically see that scene in full play out in, in the beginning of that trailer because it sort of opens with the first few minutes of that um, where she's like this avenging angel getting revenge on uh, this evil guy who's abused his wife. And, um, you know, they talked in the Q&A about how uh, the protagonist, uh, about how Claire Foy feels about playing a protagonist like that right in the midst of this Me Too movement. So you can check out a video. I, I recorded the entire Q&A, so you can watch the whole thing uh, if you're interested in the film at SlashFilm.com. Yeah, and you can also read Chris's review of The House with the Clock in Its Walls, which is just a mouthful of a title, both of these. Our mouthful of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. On slashfilm.com and linked in the show notes. Uh, ben, where can people find more of your work online? You can find me at slashfilm.com and you can find me on Twitter at Ben Pears. Chris, where can we find you? Uh, I'm also at slashfilm.com and I'm on Twitter at cevangelista413. You can find me at slashfilm.com. You can find all the stories we talked about today on slashfilm.com. Uh, you can find me on social media at slashfilm on any of the social media uh, sites. And uh, this podcast, Slash Home Daily, is published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to peter at slashfilm.com. Leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention the email on the air. And also, please go give us a good review on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.